believe that God has spoken that he's going to pour out his spirit in the Middle East even specifically Mesopotamia and that where things started things will end we believe that God was going to literally save hundreds of thousands of Muslims his name will be proclaimed he will redeem a people from Arab and Kurd from Fars and Turk we believe that God is looking to establish his kingdom in these Middle Eastern peoples and God is going to use what he's doing here in the Muslim world in order to see a widespread revival spark even amongst his own kinsmen, the Jewish people, to usher in Christ's return. The vision and strategy that God gave us before we came here to Mesopotamia was a picture of a wheel and its foundation being a house of prayer. We see it from the Old Testament, starting from David, throughout the Moravians, the 100-year-old prayer meeting, through South Korea, the prayer mountain. We see the impact that focus prayer and intercession has. It precedes genuine revival and pouring of God's Holy Spirit. We believe that it's God's will to do it right here, also in Mesopotamia. Not only that, but also we know that this will keep the fire burning, and we want to model this also to new believers and disciples that God sent to us, that men and women of God are people of prayer. The other half of the hub of the vision that God has given us is to plant a school of ministry. We believe it is imperative to teach future leaders here, local leaders, the Word of God and the experience of the Spirit. And we want to do so by using Jesus Christ as a reference point for the face of God, the face of a new humanity, the face of culture and family, and the face of mission in the Kingdom of God. Beside the initial Mesopotamian school of ministry, our goal is to plant multiple satellite schools throughout the region. The idea is to train locals and to bring them and equip them and to send them out throughout the Middle East. We know that the gospel of Jesus Christ must be preached and demonstrated no matter where we are, whether we're in the West or the East. We are, yes, in the Muslim countries, but the gospel must be preached and demonstrated to every people group. And that's what we've been doing since we've been here in Iraq. God has been opening many doors. Our evangelism uh, consists of meeting people in coffee shops. We go visit homes. And a big wide door that God has opened in is the Syrian refugee camps. Because of the war in Syria, thousands of refugees are coming in our region here in Iraq. And we are surrounded. The city where we live is surrounded with many uh, Syrian refugee camps and I'm standing in one of them right now there is thousands as you can see even behind me there's many tents uh, of, of these Syrian refugees and we visit them tent to tent sharing the gospel with them many of them are open they listen we pray for the sick we hear testimonies of uh, the sick being healed many times as we're walking in, in streets like this they run up uh, to us to pray for them and we've been seeing God move and, and, and this is one of our emphasis uh, here in Iraq is evangelism we know the gospel must be preached and proclaimed as one of the ultimate goals concerning the vision God has given us and the outer rim of the wheel of what God had shown us is to plant discipleship oriented self reproducing house churches Making disciples and raising them up to love and obey Christ and to be filled with his life and to flesh that out in the world is our aim. Just like in the early church in the book of Acts, the word of God multiplied and spread throughout the churches that were inside the very homes of believers. And we believe that this context is no different being in a Muslim-controlled Middle Eastern world. 
The word of the Lord will be multiplied and will spread like fire. As we travel throughout Iraq and meet the few remaining passes in this country, the first concern that they share with us is the Christian exodus that is taking place in Iraq. The Christian population have dropped from 1.5 million to less than 200,000 in the last 10 years. The largest number of that is traditional Catholics with a small percentage being born-again Christians. The presence of salt and light is leaving Iraq. Even passes have left. The main reason this is happening is because of the rise of the violence, terrorism, bloodshed, and corruption that is taking place in Iraq. Is there hope for such a dark country that's been gripped by fear and corruption? Yes, there is hope. Revival is coming to the Middle East. There is going to be a new generation of believers and disciples of Jesus like this region has experienced during the days of the early church. They're not going to come just from traditional Christian homes, but they're going to come from Muslim background because of the preaching and demonstration of the gospel they are going to witness with their own eyes. blessed to be with you um, today, and I've really been excited to share a little bit with you on what God is doing, and um, and I want to also share with you that Iraq is, is a significant place, even in the scriptures. Um, I don't have the time to get into the journey, how this started to come to pass, um, but God started to to really capture our hearts specifically for Muslims, and uh, it was at a, a conference that I attended when I we lived in Dallas, and uh, we started focusing on on outreach specifically to to Muslims, and you know just reaching out to them, and eventually started making steps uh, to visit different Muslim countries and being exposed to 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 that, and um, because yes, Islam is rising and Islam is spreading in the world and uh, but also what God is doing among them is is powerful God is is visiting many uh, Muslims around the world through dreams and visions and uh, and he's been doing that and it says even in Romans 10 uh, he's talking this to Israel and he says I have stretched out my hand to a contrary and disobedient people he says I have came to those who did not seek me. And uh, and that's exactly, and he says that he will provoke, that's when he says, I will provoke you by coming to a contrary people. And what's more, who is more than a Gentile than Muslims? People who are so opposite to uh, the Jews and against Israel. And, uh, and that's exactly what God is doing. Uh, in the Muslim world, he is come. They're not seeking after him. They're not looking for him. But he's coming to them in dreams and visions. And we get to meet many over and over. We get to meet many who are having dreams of Jesus. 
So then God started um, to speak to us specifically about Mesopotamia, which is uh, referred to that in, in the Bible. And maybe you don't know this, but Iraq is the second most mentioned country in the Bible after Israel. Iraq, and you see as, yes, Mesopotamia, Assyria, Nineveh, Babylon, and, uh, and many times all, uh, when we drive, we see this, the street signs, the direction to go towards Babylon, and we get very encouraged when we see that. I was joking. And uh, so, yeah, so that's, so God started to put uh, this on our hearts, Mesopotamia, which is in uh, Iraq. And um, then the God opened the door without knocking. It came, uh, an invitation came to go there. Uh, one particular church from Baghdad wanted us to, to teach and, uh, and, and about healing, about Holy Spirit, about revival and the power of God. And that was the first time I got to go in April of 2011. And, um, and it's been a journey since then. We visited a couple other times and God said confirm about moving and being based there. That's another process of how God prepared, prepared my wife and the rest of the team. And, uh, because God started to put a team together and that it's our family, another family with four children and, uh, there's two single girls, part of the team, and a single guy right now as well. And uh, so God started putting this team together to see this vision come to pass. And he was spoke this to me, a vision on what to do in Iraq when I was living in Basrap, Louisiana. And one of the first things that he spoke to me one afternoon was start a house of prayer. And I never thought that when God sends me overseas that I will start something like this, like a house of prayer. But, uh, but that was, he spoke that to us. And, and so, of course, it's, we needed to obey and act. And, and now we've been there a year and a half and things have been really, uh, coming together. Um, and, uh, so we, as you saw in the video, besides the house of prayer, and by the way, I want to read something quickly to you and from Isaiah chapter 19, uh, from 23 to 25. First, I want to share how, Really, uh, Iraq, which is Assyria in the Bible, uh, is very significant um, in, uh, even in the scriptures, which, like I shared in the video, revival is already happening in some places in the Middle East. Countries like Iran has uh, powerful things happening. And, uh, you know, the church is growing, its mouth is growing so fast. Thousands of young people coming to Jesus. In Iran, every month, and uh, and God is is doing this. Even other places like Algeria and 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 different pockets. And we believe that Iraq is very significant, even in God's word, because yes, if we only look at the news and what's happening in the natural, we're looking at a country that's pretty much being fallen apart and being taken over by terrorism. But God has a plan. God has something bigger in store for Iraq and the Middle East, and we believe He's going to do this. All over, even in the countries that surround Israel, that he's going to, yes, pour out his spirit. Many, many thousands of Muslims are going to continue to come to Jesus. And that will, yes, prepare the way for Israel to experience it as well. And it says in Isaiah chapter 19, verse 22 through 25, and the Lord will, uh, from 23, let's, yeah. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. 
And the Assyrians will come into Egypt and the Egyptian into Assyria. And the Egyptians will serve with the Assyrians. One translation says the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. So they'll be worshiping together. One translation says this. In that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, which is Iraq. A blessing in the midst of the land. Whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. These three countries are mentioned here, and, uh, and, and we believe that this is coming to pass. Egypt have been experiencing uh, revival since the revolution there, uh, uh, now 24-7 of worship and prayer has been going on. Uh, the, the, even many from Muslim background are coming to Jesus. And the church in Egypt is fairly strong. And, uh, and they're, uh, they're very missional. In fact, most missionaries that come out of the Middle East come from Egypt. And they go. They go to other Muslim uh, countries. The church in Egypt is, is growing and is getting stronger. And we believe next, we believe Assyria, which is Iraq, is going to experience this as well. In fact, Egyptians are coming even into Iraq. And, uh, and one of the, the, the part of the video that you saw there, in the house of prayer, uh, one of the nights there, it was really packed. It was full of people and really powerful prayer meeting. And a few days after, when I was reflecting on that prayer meeting, how powerful it was, I started to realize like half of the prayer room there was filled with Egyptians and the other half is filled with Assyrians. And that right there is the scripture really being fulfilled that the Egyptians, the Egyptians and the Assyrians will come together and worship together. And we, be, and, and we believe that there is a strong significance uh, there in Iraq. In fact, even uh, from a house of prayer in, in, in Jerusalem have been uh, really have been pray for us every week. Uh, specifically, they have prayer sets to pray for Isaiah 19 to come to pass. And they've been lifting up us up in prayer because they believe that Assyria is part of this journey for Israel. And... Um, and so, besides the house of prayer, we, you saw the, the ministry school. We've been teaching and training uh, and making disciples, Iraqi believers, and, uh, and also Kurds as well. The Kurdish, we are in the Kurdish part of Iraq. The Kurds are a people group, and they live in North Iraq and Turkey, Syria, and Iran. And when we got there, we didn't... Uh, we didn't really know, you know, truly how significant even this was in the natural. And now, like you saw there uh, in the video, so many people are, hundreds of thousands are flooding right our area, the city where we live. The city where we live has been now surrounded with these refugee camps. There's, I tell you, there's thousands and thousands. Even, uh, they're coming, yes, from Syria and, uh, and, and many of them are open. We got open the door to go into these refugee camps. And uh, we're not, uh, in, we don't have this big humanitarian help. 
And God, I tell you, because uh, you can't just walk in these tents. Just and nobody can just walk in there. Not just anybody does. So, but God gave us favor, you know, through building a relationship, even with 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 the army and security there by just sitting down and having tea with them at night. And uh, and they asking me questions, what's America like, and all this stuff. And God just gave us favor, and we go inside these uh, these camps, and we go tent to tent sharing the gospel. And uh, and one of the things that we do is we look for sick people and uh and they bring the sick and we pray for them and testimonies uh you know are coming out from there the word going out you know in the camps you know many times when they see us walking down these paths they run up to us to um to come and, and pray for them and they start pointing to different parts of their bodies you know for us to lay hands and pray for them because they're hearing these stories of you know, when we go in and, and laying hands, you know, praying for them, people are getting free and getting healed. And uh, one, man, one man in particular that really touches me, uh, he was having these really bad nightmares. It's a lot of demons. Uh, to the point at night, he was screaming really loud, uh, up at night screaming, and, and to the point that other tents nearby were being woken up and couldn't sleep. And this was happening every night. And so they brought this man to us and we, uh, and we prayed for him. And then the next time we went, he came up and told us that he's been free. He's been able to sleep. And of course, the, the tents nearby knew about it. And the word go out. And uh, even uh, we prayed for couples that couldn't have children. And, the, and it's, you know, it's especially that culture is very shameful to be married and not have children. And... Um, um, and, and, and so, cause they have, you know, four, five and seven and more children. And so, yeah, so we, you know, well, we've encountered situations where we prayed for that. And then sure enough, a few weeks later, they come up and tell us, my wife is pregnant now. Thank you for praying for us. Cause they have this situation where years have been without children. And so God has opened the doors like this. And we've been looking for what Jesus says, the, the man of peace. And we've, we've, we're seeing that happen. Uh, the first lady that, that, that the first man of peace was a woman. And we give out these, besides New Testaments, a booklet called A Dream Woke Me Up because of the Muslims having many dreams of Jesus. And, uh, so as I was handing this out, uh, one lady there, when she saw it, she was smiling at me, nodding her head, going like this. And I thought this probably means that she either believes, she had an experience, open, something like this. And before I was walking, uh, before I left, she came up and she said, next time you come, I have two dreams I want to share with you. And uh, so I followed up with that. Eventually, before because of time, eventually she opened up. She's a believer. She's a follower of Jesus. She's the first one uh, that, that, that we go in there and, and teach and, and, and just doing really wonderful and growing. And another man... Uh, also a man of peace there the first time we met him and shared gospel with him we prayed for him and and my friend David prayed that God give him a dream that night he had the dream that same night and the dream he was in a big city full of people and uh but he was lost and he said this man in white uh like dressed in white was big and beautiful came up to him and told him I will help you he said this beautiful person in what had a motorcycle. <laughs> and he told him, I will help you. And uh, so, so he, he got with him and, and he started uh, uh, riding out of the city and found himself entering a church building. 
And he said there was peace. And he said a strong feeling that I belong here. And he says, and this man came and offered me water. And that night that he told us in a the, in the house meeting, he said, uh, David was going to share from John 4, uh, when, and the, the, Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well and giving living water. And the dream was this man giving him water. This is just one of, you know, many uh, situations and people with dreams coming to Jesus. So besides training uh, Iraqi and making disciples and reaching Kurds that are coming from uh, Syria as well, we've got Kurds coming from Iran. Iran is, uh, like I said, revivals happen. The problem, one of the issues needs in Iran is they're not discipling them fast enough because so many are coming to Jesus. So a door that God opened because it's very difficult uh, to, to, to go into Iran and, and do kind of teaching and training like this because they watch everything, especially for foreigners. So, so, they are, so God uh, made a way, opened a door that a small group from Iran, they drive, it's a one day's journey, different checkpoints and changing taxis. And they drive from Iran into our city. And they come for about five, six days simply to be taught and trained the word of God. And we got to do that. I, I did that last month before I, I left to come to the States. And a new group every time. We teach them, train them, and, and pray for them, laying hands on them. And then they drive back to Iran. And, and every month a new group has been coming. So we didn't know, we didn't know that God was going to open these kind of doors by being in Iraq. But I tell you, God's dream is being fulfilled and there is much more to come. And so I, again, I want to, uh, you know, really thank you for being part of, of what God is doing in the Middle East and Iraq. And, um, Two years ago, uh, when we were here, we visited and shared with you uh, before we left. And, uh, and, and many of you gave and, and, uh, and you had a big part. You know, the money, the things, the support that you gave, really pretty much you, Family Life, had a big part to start the center, uh, which is, like I said, a house of prayer where we teach and train people. And, uh, and, and, and so you had really the main part to do it. And I want to thank you because you are making a difference. And, um, and, and so, amen. It's exciting, amen, what God is doing. And uh, so don't just only uh, watch, only again, what you see on the news. Besides the bloodshed and the terrorism, God has a purpose. And, uh, and that's why our, we know that our goal is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because so, people, you know, think like, how can it be? And when we know that, that yes, we f- keep our eyes on Him and we worship Him. And that's one Main reason why we see so vital to meet and worship and pray, but to stay focused on the promises that He given us in the midst of what the enemy is doing. And just before I left, uh, uh, one, the director of the house of prayer in Jerusalem, because like I shared with you, they have a relationship with us now. Uh, the director there had a vision, clear vision, and a lot of it was emphasized on the Kurdish part of Iraq where we are. And, uh, and he saw angels focusing their attention in the, in the north part of Iraq. He said he saw an altar of worship and prayer getting higher and higher and higher out of this part of Iraq. And then he saw these angels like with bulldozers digging and preparing a reservoir to hold the water that was coming. And, uh, and, and then in the next part of, of uh, the vision he saw different parts of Iraq that was getting more bloody and, and more bad. And, but after that, after a while, he started to see that 
people in those areas, the more terrorism, the more bloodshed started to turn away from Islam and looking for Jesus and particularly young people and children. And then, then the next part of the vision, he saw, yes, the water came, it filled that reservoir, the, the, the preparation that the angels were doing. And then the water eventually started to rise and affect other places nearby. And we believe that, that yes, in the midst of this darkness, the enemy is working very hard from stopping this to come to pass. And uh, so we do value, you know, uh, you praying for Iraq and praying for us that God's purposes will be fulfilled no matter how much the enemy will try to stop it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 14.1 The scripture says to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. All that is, a lot can be shared on that. Um, that desire there, it's it's very strong word uh, to, like you can pretty much say, to last after. To strongly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And that, uh, that chapter explains why prophecy is so important. Uh, my part, I'm not going to get into that today, but, but the pursue love is why I want to, I felt strongly on my heart to share with you. That word pursue is something that it's, it's, it's a command, really. It's a command to seek after love. The NIV says, follow the way of love. Amplified Bible uses the term, make love your aim. Make love your goal. Yes. And I want to tell you that that is to be taken very seriously. To be taken literally. I remember when I first started reading that in, in the beginning of my walk with Jesus, when I started to surrender my life to Him and I started to hunger to know Him and know Him and, and through His Word and who He is and His will. And I started, you know, reading the, the, the Scriptures, the New Testament. And I remember when I started to run into this um, and it read this, to, it says to pursue love. And I, I made it a, a goal in my life when I read that with, with a mango of other things, but I believe right now, specifically, God wants to speak this to us. I made it my goal to pursue love, to pursue, to seek after the love of God, to know His heart, to know what's in His heart, and, uh, and to continue to live this way, to make it as a goal. And I want to tell you, because yes, um, I believe even here in America, there's going to be more shaking taking place. Uh, there's going to be, I believe it, I believe there's going to be uh, uh, a lot of shaking taking place in, in America around the corner. Uh, but I believe in the same time, there's going to be a lot of signs of revival taking place as well. I believe in the midst of the shaking, there's going to be outpouring of God's Spirit even more. Uh, and I believe that, that as those who do know Him are, and are serious about God are going to make an impact and a difference more than they ever have in the midst of what I believe the shaking that is going to come even here in America. And this is why I, in my heart I want to share with you to pursue love because revivalists, 
men and women of God who are, who have made and are making an impact in their life. They, revivalists, uh, you know, usually revival starts with the people who are the closest to God Himself. Amen? It comes, it, it comes from those who have, who are intimate with Him, who those who are close to Him. And these men and women of God that make an impact, when we do want to make an impact, we've got to pursue His heart and know His love. Amen? And the men and women that are making an impact have made and make an impact. Yes, it's important to learn, to grow and learn. And the Bible tells us to do that. It's very important to keep growing and keep learning. But I want to encourage you, let your learning and what you're receiving, what you're learning, let it draw you closer to his heart, to be hungrier for him and to know him more. I've seen this uh, many times, uh, you know, uh, people only want to feel like their intellect and they feel because they know a lot like this is it. But I want to tell you, let your learning create a hunger for you to seek after him more and know his love more. Amen. Because these men and women that I, it's referred to as revivalists, whatever, that truly bring the heart of God and bring the fire of God and make a difference. It's not so much because of all the information that they've learned, but because of the love and the fire that they carry, they have pursued the heart of God. And I believe this is for all of us to pursue love, to make it our goal, our aim. Amen. And people, you know, uh, when they say uh, because of Iraq and going to Iraq, many times the issue of fear comes up. People say, aren't you afraid? And um, and I want to, you know, be respectful, but uh, I, I, I take the opportunity to challenge people. And I tell them, afraid of what? Afraid of loving Jesus. Afraid of obeying his words, afraid of making a difference and going to places where others are not willing, afraid of making an impact in lives that are in need, that are in desperate and they don't have the answer and they don't have hope, but we have it. Afraid of maybe if at the end it may cost us our life doing with our death by which by life we cannot. Amen. Afraid of what? That's, it depends. This is what it is determined is what are we looking at? Are we looking at what the enemy is doing or are we looking to Jesus and what he wants to do in his heart? And that's why I want to encourage you here where you live to pursue love, to seek after God's heart, to be intimate with him. Amen. Because radical people looking at like, wow, that's very radical to go to a place like that, like Iraq. For me, it doesn't feel radical. For me, it feels like normal Christianity. For me, that's just being a normal disciple of Jesus. That's why I've asked years ago when I started to fall in love with Jesus. And I've told him I was not looking for ministry. I was not looking for these things. I simply said, Jesus, I want to show the world what a Christian is like. (laughs) I want to show the world what a disciple, a follower of Jesus is like. I said, I want to be a a Christian how heaven sees it. Amen. Because many times when people say, you know, well, he's really like on fire or she's really on fire. And 
Like Watchman Nee says, when, that when, when, when a man, uh, when, when, when a man reaches what heaven sees as normal, most Christians think he has a fever. <laughs> but it's just simply being normal. And the more burning we are, the more pursuing his love, we're becoming more what heaven sees as normal followers of Jesus. It's expected of us. It's not, it should not be the extraordinary. It should be the normal. Amen. So it is love. It is love. The Bible, the scripture says that perfect love casts out of fear. It says, there is no fear in love. There is none. There is no fear in love. When we love, if we love somebody, we are not afraid of them. If we're in love with God, we're not afraid of Him. If we're in love with people, we're not afraid of them. If we love our enemies, we are not afraid of them. Because we don't fear the people whom we love. Amen. And that is why it is so important to make it our goal to pursue the heart of God. To pursue that love. Because it changes us. There is no fear in love. And that is, and God looks for that from us. And we see that even in the conversation that Jesus had with Peter. At the end, there in, in, in the, at the very end, before Jesus ascended to heaven, and it was when they were having breakfast by the seashore, and Jesus is grilling fish, and, uh, and, and, and then he started talking to Peter and he tells him, he asked him, Peter, Simon, he said, do you love me? He used the word agape. Do you agape me? That love. Peter answered, Lord, you know I love you. He used the word phileo. That love which is, I have affections for you. But Jesus asked again, do you love me? Do you have agape love? And it goes on and on. Peter's answering back, you know I love you. I phileo you. I have this affection, this friendship love for you. That's where Peter was at. But God, Jesus was looking for a different kind of love than just having affections and friendship with Jesus. He was looking for a love that is selfless, a love that is willing to lay his life down for him. Jesus was looking to get it out of Peter. He's showing us there, you must have this kind of love if you're going to follow me. And then he continues to tell Peter that when you were young, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to. But when you get older... It says, people are going to put your clothes on and take you to a place where you don't want to go. And it says that he was speaking to him, signifying the kind of death he was going to glorify God. That's Christianity, brothers and sisters. Jesus saw in Peter the kind of death he was going to glorify him. In many places around the world, this is happening. This is Christianity. It's radical love of laying our lives down for him. Giving him our heart. And he looks for not just, I like your ways, Jesus. Not just, 
I'm your friend and I enjoy you. No, he's looking for that kind of love that is without self, that denies self. Love looks like that. One of the points I, I, I want to tell you is what does love look like? What does it look like? And Jesus said, as we see there in Luke 7, uh, 8, 38, it's, it gives us the picture of being at his feet, worshiping him, adoring him, pouring our love upon him. Love for Jesus looks like this. Spending time with him. If we, if you love somebody, you love being with them. You enjoy being with them. And many times it's not so much what you say or what they say, just by the fact that you are together. Love looks like this. And this is how you're going to receive that love. is by being with him, by spending time alone, that you allow Jesus to pour who he is on you. What does love look like? I'm going to go on the next point. Love, when we have this love, we look, we see other people's value. That's one thing that happens. When we start, when you start receiving his love, I'll go to the next point. I didn't do a good job with the, giving him points. I'll go to that in a few minutes. When you start receiving his love, you will start to see people's value. But I tell you, even before that, when you start seeking, the more you seek his heart, one thing that you will see in his heart is you. You see yourself because you are in his heart. And when that happens, from your time that you're with him and he shows you that, and you just tell him, Jesus, I, I pursue your love. I want to know this love. I want to know your heart. And you see yourself in his heart. You see how he feels about you. You see your value. You see what he wants to do in your life. I tell you, something happens when you see how he feels about you. And you see your value. It transforms you. It sets you free. You won't be afraid to be intimate with Him. You won't be afraid to love back when you see yourself in His heart. It makes you free. And the other thing that you do see when you seek and pursue His love, you see people in His heart. You see their value. You start to see people like the lost. You see them as prisoners of war. You see men and, you see people, men and women, young people, you see them, that they're addicted and bound, sick, hurting, depressed. You see them as being made captive by these powers of darkness and the spirits that's in this world. And, and, and you see the potential, what God can do that comes out of pursuing His love. When we experience this love, the beliefs, the things that we do know in our mind will start to crystallize into action. Amen? 
It'll move us into actions because then the more, if you make it your goal and you continue to pursue that love, your mind will be more off of yourself. Yeah? You will start thinking less about yourself and you start thinking more on Him and what's in His heart. And guess what? People, we're here. We, God touches us to touch others. I am not an island. I am from an island, but I'm not an island. You are not an island. Whatever happens in your life, the more you pursue love, the more you are filled with that love, people around you will be affected. It's just, it's just the way that it happens. You get impacted, others will. And as you pursue this love and you start seeing people's value, then you want to, you can help but speak what the scripture says. Then you start to step out and just speak to them. And you become God's voice. Then you see a need and you want to lay hands on them. And you become God's hand to them. You start reaching them and you become God's heart to them. Paul says, the love, in, in 2 Corinthians he says, The love of Christ compels us. That word there, it's like the word, if you see that in the Amplified Bible, that word compels us is gripped tightly, like controlled with this love. And it gives a picture that it's so gripped with this love that we can do no other but what love moves us to do. That we are under the control of this love. And he says, this is the love of Christ that controls us, that moves us into action. That I cannot help but obey his words. I cannot help but be a voice. I cannot help but reach out. Why? Because of love. Amen. That's why Paul, one of the things that we see Paul praying for the churches was that they would know the width, the length, the depth, the height of the love of Christ. He says that so that Christ would live in your heart by faith so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. It moves us into action. We become under that control of His love. Make it your goal. Because if we don't hunger after that love to know it more and more, we will hunger for other things. And we don't want that to happen. Because the days are, are short. And God needs His body on the earth. He needs every single one of us. Amen. Jesus says, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. For the night is coming and no one can work anymore. When he was saying, I must work the works of him who sent me, that word works is the same word in Greek that we get the word energy from. I must work the energy that he gives me while it is day. And it will happen as you pursue that love. Amen. How can, how do you do this practically? To receive this love, pursue this love. You meditate. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to finish with this. You meditate on the scriptures that what, that gives a picture of his heart and his love. It's very simple. You meditate on them. And such as this one, I just I gave a couple there, like Zephaniah chapter three. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. 
He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. When I studied this, actually it was the better translation. It says that he will be silent because of love. He will be silent because of love when he sees you. You know what picture that brings? When God looks at you, when God sees you, he becomes silent because of his love for you. It's like when he sees you, he finds what he's looking for. And I've meditated over this over and over and over again. And as I approach him and to spend time with him, I know he feels this way about me. There is, he's, he becomes silent because of his love for me. It says that he will rejoice over me with singing. If God could sing, he sings a song. He dances, he sings a song over you when he sees you. And you meditate on scriptures like this, for example. And you start to thank him for it. And thank you, God, for feeling this way about me. And then you ask him, saying, God, I want to I wanna experience this. Help me. I want this to be real. You talk to him about it. You meditate and talk to him about it. And you tell him, reveal this to me. I want to experience. And you know, and you don't give up. You don't give up. You don't stop. Because I tell you, we serve a God that loves to reveal himself to us. It's not a matter. He's, that's why he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. We don't serve a God that hides and does not want to reveal himself. The, 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 it's a matter of whether we seek him or not. If we do, he will reveal himself. And so you meditate on things like this and you tell him, I want to experience this. I tell you, he, he can wait to give more and more of his love. It's eternal. It has no end to his love. Amen. Another one is like Psalm 139 and David is writing this and, and he says, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Powerful. David says, your thoughts about me are like the sand. <laughs> Try to count sand. You can't. David's pretty much, he's, the revelation that he saw, he says, you have new thoughts, so much thoughts about me that you never stop. Pretty much. You think about me and you never stop. How did David see this? This how God feels about him. He was after, he's after God's heart. He's after, the Bible says that David was a man after God's heart. And because he sought his heart, remember, we read it as well there in Psalms. And it says that uh, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to your face, I will seek he responded to the calling. He responded to the invitation to seek God's face and his heart. And there was a result and he started to see his value. And that's why the Bible says he was a man after God's heart who will do all my will. 
That is the result of finding his heart and pursuing his love. Then we do his will. Why? Because it's driven with love. The same way even I want everything, yes, to, uh, to flow in my, uh, from my life to come out of that place of experiencing and receiving things from his heart. Why? I don't want to fear. I don't want to stop. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to live a holy life. It's not just out of religious uh, whatever. Uh, I want to do it because of I don't want to hurt him. And I don't want to be separate from this kind of love. I don't want to be separate from his presence. Because if I am, then I cannot live. If I, if I am separated, then it hurts him. I, 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 there's no life there. And I want that life. How is it going to happen? I make it my goal. I make it my aim to pursue that love. And I tell you, the more that you do, the more your life will change. The way you spend your time will change. The way you spend your money will change. The way you, the decisions that you make will start changing. Why? Because you've been pursuing that love and it transforms you. Then you realize it's not my life. It belongs to him. Amen. And you will be under that control of his love. Amen. I'm going to finish now. And I want to encourage you with this, because maybe if you're here this morning and, you know, and, and, and you're saying, I'm, I'm not in that place. Maybe you're saying, before I reach others, I need to be reached myself. And maybe you're saying, you know, I, I, I can say that I am a, a Christian, I'm a believer, but I don't have this kind of relationship. I want to encourage you. That Jesus is here. And he is for you. And he never gives up. And before you hear the words him saying to you to go to others. You will hear the words saying come. The reason I know in my own life I've heard him saying go. Go to him. Go there. Go. I know The reason I hear the words go a lot is because I hear the words come hundreds and hundreds of times. I hear him say come. I hear his pullings to spend time with him. And I started to experience that. And he, when I express Jesus, I'm hungry for you. I love your presence. I'm hungry for you, more of your presence. He speaks things back to me like, I'm hungry for your presence. I love your presence. And so, when he's saying that to me, he loves my presence. What do you think that does? A hunger for more. To love him back. To love him and express my heart. Because I start to see how he feels. And that's what I want to encourage you today. That you will respond to his word saying come. To respond to his invitation of coming closer. And pursuing that love. Maybe if you're here and you are a captive. Whether it's we live in a fallen world. There's many, many distractions in this world. And the enemy works very hard to keep us from that love. He works very hard. Because he knows when we experience this, 
we will be like him, like Jesus. And he tries to stop that from happening. But I want to tell you, when if you feel shame or guilt or things maybe that you feel like, why do I keep falling? Why do I keep doing the same mistakes? And I don't know what else is going on in your heart and your mind. Maybe, like I said, you feel like I'm not there. And But I tell you, if you feel, yes, the Holy Spirit moving in your heart, when you feel conviction, it's not the time to move away. It's time to come near. I've learned it in my own life when I experienced His conviction. It wasn't time to walk away, but it's time to come closer to Him. Because I know His goal for me is freedom. I know His goal for me is to make me like Him and to reflect who He is. So if you are feeling this today, I want to tell you, come to Him. Come to Him. In fact, let's stand together right now. If you do need freedom, I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord is here for your freedom. You are not another number, brothers and sisters. You are not just another number. You are more valuable to God than we will ever realize. There's no one like you. There never has and there never will be. And you are made after His likeness, in His image. And He has a purpose that only you can fulfill. So I want to tell you, God's goal is not to embarrass people. His goal is to revive. His goal is to heal. His goal is to transform. He wants to pour His love upon you. So I'm going to pray here. I'm going to pray. And if you need to come, maybe you're here today and you have not walked with Jesus and you want to give Him your life. I also want you to come on the left side of this platform to give Him your life to start walking with Jesus, to enter into a relationship with Him, not knowing about Him, but knowing Him. When I pray and I call you to come, I want you to hold nothing back, just come. Others here, that you have relationship with Him, but you have not been pursuing the love like this. And you're finding yourself caught up in different things, maybe wasting time, but are you feeling God speak to you and convict you and you want something to break? You want something to take place? And I want to pray even that God will release this kind of hunger to pursue His love. Because I tell you, the more you fall in love with Him, there will be nothing that you will not be willing to do. Why? Because you're in love. And when you're in love, you want to please the one that you love. And if that is you also, when I invite, I want you to come. Don't be ashamed. I'm telling you, Jesus, His eyes are looking at you. And He wants to reveal Himself. Hold nothing back. And God will hold nothing back from you. And you watch what God will do as you pursue and seek after His love. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray. And if you need to come, please come now. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your words, for your word of love. I thank you, Jesus, for that you have a purpose. 
And I thank you that because you love us, you are speaking to us. Because you love, you are even bring conviction and hope and, and courage and vision and future. And I pray, Lord, that encounters will happen even this morning. I pray that people will encounter you in Jesus' name. That as a result of what happens in them, it will affect many others. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for freedom. I thank you for your blood. Him shedding his blood shows how valuable you are. And I believe as you responded to this, you are expressing to Jesus. I want to hunger for your love. I want to receive this love. I want to pursue this love so that I will not live for myself, but I will live for you. Because when you are a seeker after truly his love, you will deny yourself and you will follow him.